The real estate market is booming. Whether you look in the suburbs or the city, Chicago continues to expand, creating incredible opportunities for those in the know. We'll connect with Chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the Real Estate Mogul Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. Today, I'm joined by realtor Stacy Yesner. Stacy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Tony, for having me. No, it's our pleasure. And we were talking a little bit before we got started here, and it turns out we were kind of from, from the same place, same stomping ground, same everything, huh? Yeah, our paths almost crossed. Almost, right? So, and, and what we were talking about is the fact that you were a social worker at my junior high, and then the rival middle school, right, across the way, uh, but all in the Wheeling Buffalo Grove area. Yep. In District 21, right? District 21, yep. That's, That's where I did my internship and my first uh, job as a social worker. Yeah, and obviously I introduced you as a realtor, so let's start there with the social work piece. And, and Well, originally from, from Displains, but uh, your first job out of college was in social work right. and for homes where you interned and then eventually your first job at Cooper, right? Right. So tell me how you got started in that and kind of that journey. So, um, so I went to undergrad, and crazy enough, I went to undergrad at Kansas, and I wanted to be do this. I wanted to go into radio and TV um, because having gone to Maine East, that's what I did. I had a radio television class that I loved, and having gone to Kansas, um, we, you had to do really well in um, communications and English, and English was not the strength for me in college starting my freshman year. The English uh, TA I had did not like anyone that was in our fraternity or sorority. Really? Yeah, so I had a really hard time with my first English class. And unbeknownst to the TA, my dad wrote a paper for me. <laughs> And um, he got a D on it. Yeah. So you knew something was up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she failed everyone but me. So um, I decided I needed to do something else mm -hmm. with my life. Mm -hmm. And my grandma, who was my role model, was a social worker in a nursing home. Aww. So um, I had worked at a summer camp and saw that kids um, were always getting sick. Like there were a couple of my campers were always getting sick. And it was because their parents worked all the time and they went home to their nannies and they were in second grade. Mm. So never having taken a psychology class or a social work class or a human development class, I went back and switched my major to psychology and human development. And that's what I got my undergrad degree in. I double majored in those two. And then went and applied to grad school and went to uh, UIC, Jane Addams School of Social Work, and got my master's and went into school social work. Wow, so I mean, it's very different from what your grandma did in terms of the community, right? Right, well, my grandma also told me I'd never work with old people, <laughs> so. <laughs> what was her reasoning for that? Um, because they were stubborn, mm. um, and she actually worked in the nursing home where my great-grandfather lived. Oh. So, you know, having to deal with him, and then her, um, he lived until he was 100. Oh my God, Yeah. blessed. Yes, yeah. so I was a. It was right before my freshman year of college that he passed away. Oh, okay. Yes. And now, twenty years you spent doing this. Yeah. So I went. I was a social worker for um, 
eight years, and then I decided I needed more of a challenge, so I went and got another master's in educational leadership because I love to learn. And um, I went and started, um, so I was a social worker, got my master's, and I uh, applied for different administrative positions and got a job as an assistant principal at an alter therapeutic alternative day school in Maywood. Oh, wow. And I was really hesitant to do it. And the assistant superintendent where I was working in Burbank, Illinois, mm -hmm. um, he told me I needed to do it. Um, that at this point, there was no growth for me where I was at, and he didn't know when that would happen. And I needed to just get my feet wet doing something. Yeah. So, um, so that's what I did. And it was so eye-opening. Um, you know, with everything going on over the summer, with the whole, you know, looking at, like, white privilege and, sure. and who we are, I got that exposure that first year in 2003. Um, <clears throat> because here I was, a white girl from the north suburbs, you know, growing up with two parents, we didn't have everything, but my parents gave me my basic needs, and I had kids that didn't have them. Wow. And, um, you know, would come in wearing the same clothes every day, dirty, maybe didn't have breakfast. Wow. And, um, you know, their dad was not there or in jail or whatever. And um, these kids needed something. And I had one of them say to me, you know, you don't get it. And I said, you are correct. I have no idea what you're going through, but I will do whatever I can to help you. And as soon as I acknowledged to these, you know, up through eighth grade kids that I didn't get it, they let me help them in any way that I could. Wow. How long did it take for that to happen, for that trust to be built? Um, for some of them, it happened more quickly than others. For some, it never happened at all. Yeah. But it was really just, you know, not trying to necessarily buy them off, which some of them, some of the staff did, but really just acknowledging to them that I don't understand exactly what they were going through. For sure. I think that, that honesty, right? Um, right. So uh, I guess what did you take away from that from, you know, we, we call it white privilege, obviously, but like even the relationship between those who, you know, weren't white and, and seeing you, is it something that they just didn't have experience with or, you know, didn't know how to approach you or did they in some way see you as maybe not the enemy, but definitely not a friend? Um, they saw me as, some of them saw me as someone that could finally advocate for them. Um, that would do whatever I could to help get their basic needs met. Because, you know, the teachers wanted them to learn, and I said to them, until they have clothes, until they have food, until they have, you know, a safe place to put their head at night, education is second. Yeah. And a lot of, some of the teachers didn't totally understand that. And I think that that made a difference in, in the kids, you know, understanding, like letting them have their temper tantrums in a safe space, um, got them to um, be able to finally 
come back into a classroom and do what they needed to do to learn. Seems like they needed a breakthrough. For some of them, yes. Now, now, that had to present its own challenges, not only from... you know, figuring it out and doing your job, but from an emotional standpoint of probably never, you know, having seen that or, or now for the first time being exposed to some of these uh, challenges that you know, people in other communities are facing and seemingly in our own backyard, right? Because it's not like you were so far from home. No, I mean, it definitely was. And um, I mean, you know, seeing how ki- older kids, right, had to, you know, what they needed to do to support themselves, right? And some of the uh, violence that they had to deal with, um, yeah, no, it was definitely eye-opening. And I, and you know, a lot of the staff lived in the community, and I was very naive. You know, um, I had to go to different schools in the areas, and some of the staff would tell me, "You shouldn't be driving down those streets. Yeah. You need to go this way." because it's not safe. Right, right. And I had um, some of the kids who were gang affiliated tell me that I was protected because I helped wow. them out. Wow. And so you had street cred already. Right? I mean, <laughs> that's pretty cool though. That's yeah, but <laughs> you're like, no, it's not exactly what you wanted, right? You <laughs> can't right? put that on a resume. <laughs> but also calling some kids out on it. Wow. Right? And saying, like, you know what? I know what you're doing and it's not going to fly. Wow. Um, yeah, I got threatened. I got, yeah, I mean, it just... Well, you're interfering, right, at that point? In some With, respects, yeah. 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 So how did you handle that? And like, I guess, uh, first of all, before you even answer that, is what were those emotions that you were experiencing through those, you know, threats <coughs> or through those, um, yeah, I guess threats is the best way to, to put it. Um, I developed a very thick skin. And I, you know, I'm 5'4", and some of the kids were, you know, six feet. Jeez. And I didn't back down. Good for you. And they learned that I was a tough cookie. <laughs> where, where, so where did that come from? Like, not something you would... <clears throat> I'm a Leo. <laughs> is that what it is? Sums it up, right? Perhaps. Now, gr- growing up, did you have uh, siblings, or do you have siblings? I have a younger brother, mm-hmm. and, um, you know... We were latchkey kids, and sometimes my mom would come home, and one of us would have some marks on it, <laughs> each other, you know, fighting over the TV and whatnot. Uh, what, what's the age difference? Um, he's uh, he's three and a half years younger. Mm. But it's like me and my sister. Right, but now he's six feet tall, and I'm five <laughs> four. <laughs> so people think he's older. Mm. Eh, it goes with that, right? Right. It happens. That's, that's exactly. not the case. <laughs> right. So um, obviously that, that helped prepare you a little bit, right? That toughness. Yeah. But I mean, I just have always, you know, been one to take care of myself. I've always taken care of people. And I've always, um, my mom used to say, I, I would, and I've never done this, but I would pick up that bird mm. and try and take care of it and heal sure, it. Sure. But I've always, you know. Just had that in you, the nature, the, right? Yeah, for sure. No, and I can sense that from you. You, you, you can just tell. Like you're very, you're very direct, very nice. I mean, never had anything but a pleasurable experience with you. But yeah, just that directness. Now it makes sense. Now, now I understand where it comes from. Yeah, <laughs> there's a backstory to it. Right. <laughs> right. 
exactly. So, so 20 years now, did the rest of your time, did you spend it there or did you move on to other? No, so I, so after working with the older kids and I, um, I ended up working with the early childhood program for mm. five years and I started a full day autism program. Wow. So, I mean, talk about the difference, like getting on the floor and playing with the kids yeah. and, and working with that, which I really loved. I mean, you know, it, it was a, it was very different, but I also still checked on my, my kids mm. from the elementary side yeah, yeah. that were now on the high school side. I mean, I have, I have a few stories that I could share at another <laughs> time, but you know, I was always connected to, to the kids. It didn't matter what age they were. That's amazing. Um, and some of the parents still contacted me. Um, you know, I had one kid that started in fifth grade and his grandma invited me to his high school graduation. Yeah. I was the only staff that she invited. Aww. So, you know, there was always that connection. But after um, I had kind of done everything I felt I could, I ended up in Cicero. Okay. Um, as the special ed dean. Oh, wow. Special ed dean. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't know, I wasn't aware of that title, that there were different deans for... Well, I think they created that title because I was working again. They, um, they had put the like alternative program into at Morton East High School mm -hmm. and they were trying to restructure it. So I was the one who handled all the discipline for the kids that were the like the ones that were the behavior disorder mm -hmm. students. Um, we had separate special ed staff that really handled those kids. Um, and they weren't really ready to go to outside placement. And I mean, some of the kids belonged to there, some of them didn't. But I also found alternative ways to handle their, um, their consequences as opposed to suspension because I didn't believe it was appropriate to suspend a student if their... Um, whatever their issue was, was a result of their behavior disorder. Mm. So the other deans didn't necessarily agree <laughs> with the way I handled things, but I approached things more from a therapeutic. Sure. And an understanding, I think, more than anything else. Correct. And that's a huge you know, part of it, why it seems like you gained that trust to begin with, because you sought to understand before you were you know, telling people what to do or how to live their lives or what to expect of them, right? Correct. And that's huge. Right. But there were also times that kids had to be dealt with appropriately, like when kids threatened me, yeah. which happened there as well. So obviously you're in real estate now. Yeah. <clears throat> but you know, do you ever think about what your life would have been like, just the person you would have become had you not um, you know, gone through these 20 years of, of social work? In, in this capacity, not just social work, but at the level you were at. Um, I don't know because I don't see my life being any sure. different. I don't know what I, I mean, had I actually done well in that freshman English class, <laughs> and I would have gone into... You'd be sitting on the other side of this table? Well, no, because I always, I never wanted to be in front of the camera. Gotcha. I always wanted to be behind the scenes. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't really, I, I think my life turned out the right way. Sure. And I'm really glad I'm not in education anymore. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm glad I got out when I did. Interesting. And what? what why do you feel that way? Because um, I look at 
especially over the past year um, with the pandemic and all of the issues sure. that have been, um, you know, with remote learning and all of my friends that are teachers and that are struggling with, you know, I have friends that are with CPS and I also have friends in the suburbs. And every district has handled things differently. Sure. And every district um, has, some have succeeded and some have, um, and my friends that are teachers that have also had kids in different districts and just some of the issues that they have had, whether to decide whether to send their kids back to school and how they've handled remote learning and all of the struggles that they've gone through. And I'm just so glad <laughs> at, that I am not an administrator in a school. Sure. And I'm also on the board of an, a therapeutic um, day school that's mm -hmm. part of an, an, an organization. And the staff has spent numerous hours numerous, more than I can count, trying to plan appropriately to meet the needs of the kids. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And especially not even that, it's just, who would have thought, right, that we'd have to deal with something like this, period. Right, right. So it's not like anyone prepared for it. Correct, but the fact that it's been a year. I know, it's, hopefully this, I don't, I don't even know what to say anymore about it. Everyone says, oh, the, you know, go back to normal or the new normal, but it's like, I don't, I just, it's so up in the air, right? right? Like, it just seems like question mark, question mark, question mark for every industry, you know, regardless of who you are, where you're from. Right. But, uh, such is life. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm I'm thankful that I'm doing something. And and so w how did real estate come to be? I mean, so, so different than what you were doing. So, I had worked my way out of two different jobs. Oh, okay. Um... I worked my way out of my administrative positions when I was in Maywood, and I was working as a social worker, which while I loved the, working with the kids, as challenging as they were, I wasn't satisfied. And then when I was in Cicero, again, I had, um, during the restructuring of the program, my job was eliminated. Mm. So all during that time, education had changed. There was Common Core, response to intervention, all of these different things that had been implemented in regular education. And I had um, pigeonholed myself working with kids with severe behavior disorders. Sure. And so I was too specialized. So to get a job as a regular administrator was difficult. I was too expensive as a social worker mm. in a school because I had too many years of experience. Um, to get a job as a hospital social worker or mental health social worker, they um, stated I didn't have the experience, even though <laughs> I coordinated with hospitals all the time. I worked with kids with all kinds of mental health issues, but in their opinion, I didn't have the experience. Sure. So I had two degrees and I didn't know what to do with them. Um, at the time, my um, best friend was um, diagnosed with breast cancer 
And so while I was trying to figure out what to do, I just I decided to regroup and help her and her family as she went through um, chemotherapy and a double mastectomy because oh, I thought okay. it was my, um, I was needed. She had enough support herself, but her family needed support. She had, um, you know, she had three kids. Her oldest was 12. She had a 10 year old and a seven year old. Wow. And her husband couldn't, he needed help. Yeah. Um, so I, I went, I stayed in the hospital with her when she had her surgery. I was there to help get the kids to school or take them to therapy or whatever they needed. Yeah. Um, and just support her in any way that I could during that time. And then I needed to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And at that time, I was trying to think of what I could do that wouldn't, um, that my age didn't matter, that, because I was in my 40s already, yeah. that um, my experience could still be used, and that, you know, I could also be my own boss. So um, someone had suggested a financial planner. <laughs> like, that didn't excite me. Even your face as you said it. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> financial planner. Right? <laughs> like, or insurance. I'm like, that's not... Exciting. It's not exciting. Yeah. And so one of my friends quit her job or... You know, she was miserable, and she got a real, her real estate license, and we had been talking about it. And so I'm like, you know, and I knew it was going to be difficult. All of my friends had already bought their houses, <laughs> right. right? Everyone I knew was already settled. So yeah, it wasn't like I had a sphere of influence and a ton of people that I could tap into. Tap into. So I'm like, well, it's not crazy expensive to go and get a real estate license for sure so what's the worst that'll happen so i went and got my real estate license you know i took the class over two weeks i passed the test on the first try i'm like so something's actually clicking <laughs> and then i met with three different companies and two companies really interested me um, because of their training. Because again, as an educator, I'm yeah. all about the training. <laughs> Lifelong learner, right? Right. The third company that I met with, the managing broker totally turned me off. He was all about how much money do you have? What? Because it's going to cost you money until you make money. Right. So you better have a good nest egg. Wow. And I, I knew it was going to, like, I knew I might drain my savings. But I need. I kept asking him, "What about the training? Yeah. What kind of support do you give your agents? What about the training? I wasn't asking about leads. I wasn't asking. What kind of training do you provide your agents? So I picked my the you know the one that I felt most comfortable with, got great training, and I was the agent that sat in the office. That volunteered floor for, time, yeah. Everything. Well, floor floor time really isn't that big of a deal anymore. Gotcha, gotcha. Just because everyone does everything online, but I did do floor time, but I volunteered to do any showing for any agent, any open house for any agent, to cover any inspection, to do anything. Good for you. And I, so I finally became the agent that the managing broker and assistant managing broker 
offered up. So, and did anyone give you? I mean, was anyone coaching you to do that? Is it something you just took as an initiative on no, your own? No, I just did it. Just wisdom and experience that prevailed. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like, I could sit at home, or I could sit in the office and let people get to know me. Yeah. And talk to agents for sure, seasoned agents, and pick their brain. Good for you. So, and I wasn't gonna pay a mentor in the office like fifty percent of deals. I'm just going to talk to people. That's a thing? It is a thing. I didn't realize that. Yeah, in some offices. (laughs) Wow. No, I'm going to talk to people, get to know them. So then when I need help, I just call them and ask them. And guess what? That's what agents can do to me. Yeah. So how has that influenced you to, to do that for other agents? I mean, as far as obviously you did it on your own because it was for you. But when you see new agents or, you know, you can offer that. Um, help or advice how do you approach that I talk when I see people so we have um, an app and people post things like I'm new I want to come and sit in open house if anyone's doing an open house so I email them and I'm like come sit my open house with me nice and I talk to them and I'm like call me if you need anything text me if you need anything and I share advice with them good for you I'm all about Educating. I had people help me. I'm going to help people. It's just in you. It's your nature. Well, I called, I emailed a top producer in my office. um, And I just, I'm like, can we grab coffee so I can pick your brain? Smart. And she said, sure. And I was one of her go-to people for everything after that. Wow. And I learned stuff from her. Yeah. And I think that's what you have to do. Absolutely. So now, how, how long has it been that you've been in real estate? So it'll be six years in May. Oh, no way. Good for you. Yeah. So what do you think as far as, obviously, you know, you have a very unique story um, in that you know, for being six years into the business, you have this just incredible backstory. Right, in terms of social work and everything mm-hmm. you've done and, the, and how your eyes have been open to other communities uh, more specifically. So h- how has that helped you in, in real estate as it compares to someone else you know, who hasn't had that type of experience? Um, I just think that it helps me. Um, I'm, I just think I'm more... Comp- I, I love to, to teach. I love to to um to to help and so and I'm very honest so I've had um clients we've been under contract and we've had the inspection and I just don't feel comfortable with how the inspection went and I'm honest if I don't think it's the best investment for them um, they may like it. And even if I don't think it's the right place before they make the offer, I may tell them, but they'll still go ahead and make the <laughs> offer. But like I had one client, I told him I don't think it's, I, there was something about it I wasn't sure about. Just intuition. Intuition. Mm-hmm. He made the offer anyways. <laughs> we had the inspection. The and I'm like, right. I'm like, no. This isn't right. He still tried to negotiate things. And when the seller wouldn't, I'm like, 
you need to cancel this. Did he cancel? He did. Okay, good. <laughs> he did. And found something that he found something. He found something else that he loved. We're closing on Monday. Oh, congratulations! Thanks. <laughs> but but the point is, is that I'm not. I I'm not in it. F- I mean, yes, I make money when someone buys something. Sure. But I don't care if you buy a two hundred thousand dollar place or a five hundred thousand dollar place or a million dollar place. I'm gonna still be honest with you and make sure that you buy the right place. And mm-hmm. if you don't love it. I don't want you to move forward with it. So important, though. I mean, especially now, and you hear this culture a lot in terms of real estate that you know people feel like they're being sold all the time. And and, and to have that as a, as a breath of fresh air, right? That people know that they can trust you. Right. And that's so important, so huge. So, um, in terms of where you want to take this, like, what, what's the vision for you in real estate? I don't. I mean, I just want to. I want. Obviously, I want to grow my business, right? I mean, I love working with buyers. That's what I I really love doing, um, because I love like to the educate them. Oh, educate! It's yeah. it's not necessarily the house hunting itself. I love the education. So that's more your style. It seems like, and you approach your clients the same way, and an educating like educating them through the process. Yes. Gotcha. And I mean, you know, there's some agents that just love listing properties um and yes there's education in that as well um educating them on how to get it ready for market and the things that you need to do and but it seems like it's less involved almost from the client side correct yeah. correct um but i just think and I, there's educating it on the market on what's going on in the sure, market sure right sure um obviously right now in certain areas you have to do more education than um, and other parts, right? Because when you have a house in the suburbs, chances are if you price it right, it's going to be sold very quickly as opposed to a condo in River North. Chances are it's not going to sell as quickly just really? based on the market. Well, just because of what's going on currently. Sure. Now, what do you think it's more so because of um, the riots? The riots and COVID and the fact that right now people aren't working downtown. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, because if you don't have to commute to your office on Wacker five days a week anymore, (laughs) you can work from anywhere. Do you think it's it's, it's people more so leaving just to the suburbs or are they leaving Chicago altogether? No, there's people that are still looking in in the city, but if you don't have to work in the loop anymore you're not going or you only have to go into the loop once or twice a week why do you need to be in a high rise <laughs> in this like 10 minutes from the office when you could be in lincoln park and have you know True. more space or lakeview and have more space for sure for sure that makes so much sense right yeah i mean eventually people are still going to want that property but in, in some of the buildings, the amenities aren't open yet. Yep, yep. No, for sure. That's so true. You're paying for something that, that you're not even getting right. to use. That makes sense, yeah. Um, so as far as your, I mean, as far as you and your brand, like, you know, building a team, like, what, yeah. what's the goal or the vision there for 2021 and beyond? I mean, I would love to build a team. Yeah. And, you know, right now I have someone helping me, um, someone newer. I have, you know, 
he's not necessarily on my team yet. I mean, that's not something that, but he is there to help and so, and compensated accordingly. So um, if the busier I get, obviously that helps me to think about, you know, bringing on an assistant or another agent or whatnot. You know, last year was not the type of year that I had hoped it to be. This year has already started out to be a much better year. Good. So Good. it just really depends on if the momentum continues. Absolutely. No, well, hey, if you're listening and, and it sounds like, you know, you want to join either Stacy's team or uh, more importantly, I think just the wealth of knowledge that you bring, right? And it seems like it's, 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 it's cohesive in the fact that you, you bring so much depth to you, who you are as a person and to your clients because of your experience that makes you, you know, uniquely different. Um, but if, if that sounds like God encourage you to reach out to Stacy, uh, fill out the form below, contact her directly. But Stacy, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming in and sharing your story and, and finding out that we have a, a greater connection than just, you know, at face value that we thought originally. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's been our pleasure. And thank you again. And can't wait to share more of your story.